it's weird. I get, I have to introduce the, uh, the the latest episode of the uh, Standard Room Only podcast with my guest staring at me on the other end of the Zoom call. Uh, so that is weird. But this is the Standard Room Only podcast. I am Ben Standing, joining me today here for the for the post Thanksgiving episode is is my pal, the great Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post. Happy uh, Happy Thanksgiving, and I don't just mean that in a Dan Snyder ironic. Or jokey, jokey way. How how uh, how are we doing on this uh, post uh, victory uh, on this victory Friday? Is that is that what we call it? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm waiting to see what happens with um, the Steelers and Ravens, which maybe we'll know by the time people are listening to this. But it was uh, a great Thanksgiving for me, and I didn't have to work, unlike you. That is true. I mean, I actually, to be really honest, that was the I say I had to work. By work, I don't think I really did much more, much different than what other people did, which was I sat on my couch, ate food, and watched football. I wasn't tasked with having to write post game yesterday. We didn't, we, we, the bosses didn't feel we needed to have like umpteen stories. So others jumped in before I did. So I didn't have to, I have to write something for Sunday. So I, uh, yesterday was not exactly the most taxing of, of work days, but I guess technically I had to be focused. You were more focused than I was. That's for sure. I, I missed plays. You, I'm sure you didn't take any plays off. Uh, you know, I try. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Dad, Dad, Dan is, is kind enough to do this podcast while dealing with children in, in the other room. I have to say, uh, so first, I guess let me just say we're going to talk. Uh, yes, Washington played the Washington football team won a game, and I'm sure we'll get into that on some general level. But I'm thinking with Dan, we're going to talk a broader DC sports, and so almost like uh, maybe not a year in review, but more like a state of the, of DC sports and kind of where things are uh, on a few levels. Uh, but Dan is doing this while he's uh, watching kids, and I will just say, just generally, I saw Dan a few weeks ago. Um, D- D- Dan is a happy guy these days. It's true. Like, I think we're all used to Dan being. Like the you know the the, the columnist uh, who was you know lo- looking at the world sort of uh, not not pessimistic but like you know uh, but you're like sunny side up now uh, is, is it is this is this a kid's thing is this the new job or what's uh, what's going on here yeah let's say it's a combination I I, I have a, a son who was born the weekend that the pandemic really got going in the DC area um the, like a couple of days after the NCAA tournament got canceled and every sport shut down. And so I've been pretty busy family-wise. That's my third child. So I've been pretty busy family-wise. And then when I came back to work after taking leave, I was doing a different job with a slightly less frenetic pace. And also, to be honest, less of a DC focus. And so um, I, I find myself less conflicted about turning off my mind a little bit uh, here and there. Um, definitely more relaxed in general, even though I'm doing so many kid things. And uh yeah, I also care way less. And I, I think that's, you and I talked about this just in our personal lives. I, I don't know if you are in the same way as I am, but I I find it a little bit harder to totally invest in sports, um, which has advantages and disadvantages probably. Um, but in general, I am much sunnier, yeah. And I think le- it makes me less pessimistic about a lot of sports things as well. Wow. Well, the, the, yeah, everything you just said is fantastic for your growth as a human. It's going to make for an interesting <laughs> development here because I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure about your sports takes completely now based on that. Um, in, um, but, but that's all very exciting. Obviously you can follow Dan on Twitter at DC sports bog. Of course, you've got, if you're listening to this, you already follow Dan, you can follow me at Ben standing. And of course, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff, 
uh, go do that. And yes, I should mention, I write for the athletic covering the Washington football team. We, we, if you're listening to this, it's probably going up on Monday. We're still going to have our black Friday sale through Monday, the whole year for 12 bucks. Go click on one of my articles and subscribe, but my articles, not, it's not somebody else's articles. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So, so Dan, in preparation for this, um, in, in me, uh, strong arming you to do this, I went back and looked when I had the, uh, old, my old wizards podcast, I, it may have been the last time you and I did a one-on-one podcast together, or at least it's the one I remember the most. It was that we were at the Parkway Deli in Silver Spring. This was my gig to get people to show up. I'd buy them lunch at the Parkway Deli, and nobody would say no to that. May 18th, 2017, I actually listened to almost the entire podcast over again. Wow. This is this is how I spent my Thanksgiving holiday, along with watching the game. And it was an interesting time to listen to because – at that moment, what, what we were talking, it was sort of this same similar conversation. We talked about the fact that nobody has won a title. I, I forget exactly how many seasons, collective seasons. It was in the 60s. Nobody had won. We were, we were saying the Caps and the Nats maybe are on the verge with feeling that the, the Nats could be closer. Um, and then obviously both of those teams have since won. The Mystics have also won. And so we don't, uh, the, the, the football team, it's largely still kind of similar. I mean, yesterday aside, it's still kind of a train wreck. And the Wizards have gone downhill since then, which almost seems impossible for their general trajectory, but they've gone downhill because at that point they were just coming off. They had, it was only a couple months removed, a couple of weeks removed, or somewhere around that from the losing the um, the game seven to the Celtics. Um, so, in a broad sense, it's been pretty good. But here's my question, and again, you're now optimistic, so I don't know what to make what you're going to think of this. But the pandemic changes changes so much stuff. But if we just look at sports, the actual results wasn't this kind of a sad year? For DC sports, I mean, nobody, only the Caps, uh, well, I guess Washington football team could technically win the division and therefore make the playoffs. But in the robust way of making the playoffs, only the Caps will have made the playoffs of the of the main teams. The, the, they, had, they were exited in the first round. The Nats just never got going in this weird baseball season in which more than half the league made the playoffs. They really didn't seem to have much of a chance. The Wizards, this is the least interested I've been in since in the wall era for a variety of reasons I've discussed previously. Uh, the Washington football team, yeah, we're catching them at the highest moment for them in this calendar year, but it's obviously been a rough year to say the least. The Mystics didn't have all their main players in the bubble. Uh, so I'm not trying to be like, wow, Debbie Downer, but like this was not a really a fun year for DC sports, am I right? Yeah, you're way way more of Debbie Downer than I am. No, I, I don't know what happened. We, uh, well, no, I've I've always rivaled you. You just had the bigger platform. I have people. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. No, I don't. I don't think I totally. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm. I've never. I've never exactly a fan per se. I'm someone who's just sort of like immersed in the world. So I can't speak for fans, but I, I feel like Caps and Nats fans both are riding a a high that is not cannot be diminished by this i don't oh, i think sure. it stinks i think it stinks for nats fans that they didn't really get to enjoy the world series year they didn't really get to have the ballpark celebration with the rings and the you know flag and you know the banner and the ovations i think that stinks that's like a real shame but they will do it i think in 2021 or 2022 or what, whenever it is that fans are actually in nats park again they will celebrate it's not like I mean, it's fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun and a lot of satisfaction. But it's not like the Caps Stanley Cup would have been diminished if they hadn't gotten to have that big coming out party the next fall against, I think, the Bruins, where they routed them when they raised the banner and stuff. They still got the they still got the joy out of it. The Caps, I think, are still kind of 
free rolling off of the championship. The Wizards are completely irrelevant. You're right about that, and and it's sad. Um, and and who knows how this current situation evolved. Uh, the Mystics. I'm going to say the same thing as the other one. You won the championship. It, it doesn't. It's like a. It's like a 99 out of 100 instead of a 100 out of 100 if you don't get to really celebrate properly the next year, but you still won. And I don't think I agree with you on the football team. I think, and I, I, I presume that's what most people are interested in right now. I think it's stupid. And logically I can tell myself, look, four and seven is still four and seven, no matter what the records of the teams around you are, but they're in like a legitimate division race. And if they had a home playoff game, I mean, this is a weird year. People are going to be going out with COVID tests and, there's the home field advantage doesn't matter, which probably helps Washington if they would be at home, if anything, I, I think it's kind of cool and exciting. And, and maybe, maybe this is yesterday talking and by Monday, people will be thinking differently, but as of right now, I feel like they're like kind of interesting to watch. I I mean, the the quarterback situation is unresolved long-term obviously, but I mean, McLaurin's a star, right? The guys on defense, the guys up front on defense, there's some like possible stars there. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of interesting to watch. I think it's going to make the next couple of weeks pretty fun. Yeah, no, and, and this is a perfect example of where we are not aligned anymore because we're both taking a look at the same data and I'm just looking at it over the course of 365 days as it were and just saying over the course of this year X, but you're right. The Nats and the Cavs fans should not be complaining that they've and Mystics as well. That they've all had very good runs recently, and you know, ironically enough, the Cavs did just have a coaching change. Because normally I would say, ah, you can't you can't talk about firing anybody when you're within like you know a couple of years of winning a title, but they obviously felt differently. Um, and, and in terms of the football team, I mean, it's obviously been an incredibly interesting year. And yes, like I said before, this we we this is the high mark right this minute of this run. Uh, because it's been, for, you know, from the moment Ron Rivera showed up, not not necessarily because of his fault. It's just that, you know, one thing after another, uh, you know, obviously all the stories going on during the uh, during the summer, uh, the, the harassment, the, the name change, all these other things that we've talked about for, for a lot. And even from the football perspective, it's just been, you know, erratic to say the least. But back-to-back wins, the, the first time they've had that uh, all year, the Alex Smith story is, you know, He's he's gonna he if somebody you know we always talk about like who's the person that didn't vote for somebody for like league MVP or something or or like somebody for the Hall of Fame if somebody doesn't vote Alex Smith for comeback player of the year I don't even I, I don't even know what to tell that person like this is the greatest comeback story in forever so there is a lot of interesting stories that I, we'll get to more about the interesting part in a second but I'm just saying in general if you only isolate to this year as a DC sports fan it's been. Eh, Granted, we have a month to go here with the football team. That 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 was my only point. Your your, your points are very valid. I was just that's literally fine. looking at this. That's fine. Here. You know what? I also that's fine. You know what I'm gonna say, and maybe fans, maybe hardcore fans disagree with me, but I think some of the upheaval with the Washington football team. I, I guess this is a slightly optimistic take, but I think long term it, it might have actually helped. I think. I mean, I don't know Jason Wright. You do. I don't, I don't know him at all. I only know him from media appearances and social media and whatever. I've never talked to the man. But it, it feel I don't want to say culture change because I don't really buy that term and I don't I – don't, it doesn't really mean anything to me, but he feels – it feels possible that it could be an organization that you don't have to be ashamed of anymore. I think it feels possible, at least that you could be less ashamed of. And, and the name change, I never really said – what I thought, what, think or thought about the name, and 
I don't know what they're going to wind up with as a new name, but I mean, I think long-term you've taken out something that became divisive for better or worse. And for a lot of people, it's worse that it's gone, but it's not divisive anymore. And I mean, I think that if you kind of just scrub a lot of the awfulness of the last 20 years away, that would be part of it. It became something that really was pitting fan against fan. I don't think it was healthy um, in that regard. I, I know some people didn't want it to wind up this way, but I think that for our children or their, our children's children, it will be something that they don't have to fight their neighbors about, which is kind of, you know, I, I, I think that it was a painful year, I guess, for some of those changes, but I think it might have a better outcome. No, that, that's, I, I totally, I totally get that. And I'm totally down with that point. I used to say, this is like a weird connection, but like w- when we were growing up, there was all these teams like the Red Sox and the Cubs and, and other teams who had these crazy drafts. They hadn't won a championship for decades and teams are desperate. And when they would win it, I used to always tell some of their fan base, so just to be clear, this is the one thing that you are most identified with. Like this pain is the thing that you are known for. Once you win, I'm not saying you don't want to win, but once you win, then what? Now you're just like everybody else. You're not that interesting. And th- this is the same. The, the, the Washington football team name was the same thing. The, the Redskins name was the same thing, except it was all negative. They, they, I mean, obviously some fans, like you said, didn't want to get rid of it, but the other side was very negative. So I think you're right. At some point it needed to go. It was sort of forced. It was like, it was like pulling off the Band-Aid, not historically, but just in terms of this year. The conversation started you know, because of everything was going on in this country during the summer and within a relatively short amount of time, once it became revitalized again as like a national topic, it went pretty quick. So, and you're right. We'll see what happens with it long term. Um, the Jason Wright. If they, stuff, if, if they make the playoffs, but if, if they make, I was going to say, if they make the playoffs, you don't have the national storyline of this team brings its controversial name into the playoffs. You know, you don't have Bruce Allen, you know, bumbling his way through a speech about about the phones in Hawaii and Harvest Fest and whatever else. You don't have you know, a coach who it's hard to believe is going to be here long-term. And I mean, there's, there's nothing particularly to be ashamed about if they made the playoffs. Besides, I mean, the record would be kind of silly, but it would, you wouldn't have to feel embarrassed or like ap- apologetic for it. I, I kind of think that it's, it's in a better spot than it's been for a while, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I was going to save this question for later, but we can sort of get to it, to it now. It's one I've asked before on the podcast, but I don't think I have in a minute and it's kind of goes with this, with this topic countless things happened with this organization this year, positive, negatives, but lots of big topics happened. And, I, and the question I've asked is, what's the one thing that happened in 2020 for the Washington football team that you think on or off the field is the most significant moving forward? I'm not talking about necessarily, will they beat Pittsburgh, but just like to your point, like bigger organizational change. I'll say what mine was just to give you a second to think about it. Mine was, while I agree with everything you're saying that Jason Wright seems like very much a guy you would want in this position, bright, uh, you know, focused, uh, media savvy. He, he talks a lot. That's a, it's both positive for us in the media and also kind of interesting to see somebody in that spot actually communicate often versus when we had Bruce Allen who talked once or twice a year. Well, you know, and then he's hired a bunch of people. But I still go back to the second, the second report that you guys in the Washington Post put out about the sexual, uh, the, the, the harassment within the building, sexual harassment, workplace harassment, and Dan Snyder, there were two statements put out by, the two statements put out by, from that side. One was the organizations, which is as you would expect, very, you know, we, we, we feel bad about this. We're gonna work, we're gonna move forward to, to fix this. It shouldn't happen again. And then Dan Snyder's being very much 
um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of sort of like wagging his finger at the whole situation. Um, that to me was like, while everything else still still seems like it could be moving towards positive direction, the guy at the tippy top who has been the one constant here for twenty something years still may not be completely getting it, and I don't see any reason to question it. So for me, that was the most significant thing that no matter what else is happening, I just keep going to that and think I don't know how much I could buy that, you know, changes in the air, even though there's reason for optimism, but that was mine. It doesn't have to be that big. What, 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 what was, uh, what would yours be for that? That is gloomy one. And I can't really disagree with it. It's, I mean, honestly, I, you're completely right. And we certainly wrote about it at the time. It wasn't top of mind for me. Um, and, and I would have said something a bit more optimistic, which was not only the Jason Wright hiring, but the fact that he has brought in a succession of people after him who are not people from Daniel Snyder's past. Um, and who are people, you know, who at least seem to be respected for jobs that they've done in other places and in very different contexts. And I think that you would probably agree with me that for as long as either of us has been covering this team, you would go there and kind of everything about the place and the operation felt like an extension of Daniel Snyder um, in a way that was never particularly impressive. Um, He's, it just, it just felt like a little bit creepy and and a little bit of a kind of, private club that I wouldn't have wanted to be a part of. Um, and there's just something kind of shabby about the whole operation. And again, I, I don't go there anymore and I don't talk to people. And so this might be the wrong impression, but the impression that I'm getting is that that's changing a little bit. And so I would say a combination of the hiring of Jason Wright and the hiring of some of the people that Jason has brought in. And I would hope that, that maybe if I went out there in five years, I wouldn't get that same sense that I just described. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of it, has to do with things like the stadium. I don't know what will become of that, but I mean, I think, again, you would agree with me on this. The stadium was bad in a lot of ways. And that wasn't, the location wasn't Dan Snyder's fault because he bought a team with a location there, but a lot of things were his fault. And the stadium was not modern. and It was just not impressive. And it was not something that would make you feel good about being associated with the team. There was just a shabbiness about the whole thing. And I think that if they can solve that problem, it would, just do unbelievably good for, for the whole operation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've kind of always thought that like, I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know what you do, but that you could probably retrofit the stadium as it is, but just bring it into a more modern era. Just yeah, when Jack Ken Cook built it, he rushed it in. It was as bad as generic as it gets. It's never felt like it's never felt personal. It's never felt like you connected to it. A lot of like NBA arenas kind of have that feel in general because all the, the courts are all the same. And I guess the NFL field is the, is the same too, but yeah, it, it never had a feeling of like, wow, I can't wait to go there. And if anything, it was the opposite of like, oh, <laughs> what a dread. It, one of the highlights for this year for all of us in the media is instead of now having a plan for like an hour or so drive, it's literally, I wake up, I get, you know, I, I drive my car, I'm there in a half an hour, we park right in the front because there's nobody there. Uh, it is, that is one highlight of all this uh of all this uh, negative. Um, let, let, the, me, wait, can I, let me keep going, keep going on that. Just because I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're in a bad spot politically and, and Snyder's relationships aren't necessarily any better, but I, I don't think you can underestimate, or I, I'm sorry, I don't think you can overestimate how much being downtown made the whole cap celebration that much sweeter. Like it, it wouldn't have been the same if they had won it in the cap center. It just wouldn't have been, there was a, an electricity and there had been electricity for 10 years or however long they got good downtown where you would see the people in the bars and you would see people strolling all through downtown with the red. And it just became that they were a part of the city and a part of 
just the way this community operates that you can't be when you're way out in the middle of nowhere in a parking lot. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's too late for them. Maybe they've burned too many bridges and they can never get back to um, that RFK site that so many people dreamed of. But I mean, the, it didn't fix the Wizards, but it made the Caps just a million times more exciting. And, well, and also maybe, the Nat, the Nats too. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 obviously both buildings did a lot for that for those respective parts of town. And I guess in theory, maybe that's what would happen if the football stadium was put at the old RFK site. I, I'm a little, a little more dubious about that, but okay, maybe. Um, no, I'm with you. I mean, the electricity. Anytime I would be there for a big Wizards game, I was there when the Caps made the run to the uh, Stanley Cup. I was covering that at that point for when we were doing the sports capital and the electricity was vastly different than if you just walk outside at FedEx field and there's people tailgating. Yeah. It's not, the, it's not the same thing right. uh, at all. But and I don't way, think, I don't think Bruce Allen was ever going to be like kind of an acceptable, I mean, I understand he's, he knows politicians and he like w- lives in that world, but there was just kind of something shabby about it all. And I, and I think if you can get past that image, then maybe you can kind of resuscitate the whole franchise image with the new building. Who knows? I don't know. I'm really sunny today. <laughs> no, you, no, you are. I'm bringing you down. Um, yeah. By the way, like to your point about how it feels different out there, you know, one thing that's fascinating is, you know, because everything is over Zoom right now, you said you haven't been out there in a while. Guess what? I mean, while technically I go to practice, we don't see any, you know, we're not around it either. We're, we're kept yeah. at a distance. So everything is is about presentation, and it is fascinating that for this Washington football uh, team organization that everything happened with this pandemic at after right after essentially Bruce Allen was gone, Jay Gruden had been let go. Imagine if this was a year earlier, and Jay Gruden is up there having to answer all the same questions about the pandemic and like everything else that had happened, you know this this year, um, you know Bruce Allen. I don't know. Does he ever come out and talk to us about anything? You know, uh, who, right? I mean, the, the the feel would be dramatically different. But because here, because Ron Rivera is, it seems like a very highly competent person. Because Jason Wright has put a positive face spin on that side of the building, it feels different. Because all we're getting is these brief windows of them talking. Uh, they both talk plenty, but they but that says them talking, and that really does make a dramatic difference. Plus, Dan Snyder doesn't talk. Um, so there, there's that. So, yeah, I mean, it is interesting how just because of who's in, who's the one doing all the talking, it does feel different. I, I agree with that. What, whether things are ultimately changing, you know, we'll see over time, I think. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it does feel it does feel different. Um, but by the way, so to, to just to have like a positive vibe out of me on this on the on the football team, I'm not, I'm not being completely negative, but just more so than you. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask and does not have to be about this team at all it was going to be about who's the most interesting sports person, DC person in DC sports these days could be an athlete coach owner or announcer anything you want. And maybe it's just because I'm the one think I'm covering this team a lot. And he's been, this person has been in my brain for months, but I'm going with like Ron Rivera. He is, I mean, he is every, every time we do a press conference with him, it is, it is, there's always something interesting He's in there talking about. He drops some philosophy. He's a, he gives long, detailed answers. Why? Why? What he's looking for? Why he's doing something? There's messages in there that you have to look for. Now, on top of that, he's gone through a lot personally this year with his with his cancer uh, situation that he's now he finished testing, but he kept going through. You know, he kept um, he kept coaching all the way through that. Um, you talk to the players about him, and 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 they they really like this guy. 
obviously they would be stupid to say the opposite in a Zoom call with reporters, but at the same point, they don't have to go gushing about him the way that they do. Um, that, that happens frequently. And you hear people, you know, in the organization on and off the record, talk about how, you know, how much they like this guy. And then you'll get, the team is interesting. Yesterday's game was fun. I mean, regard, I, I still don't quite know how good they are, but yesterday's game was a lot of fun. And I think that's a reflection of what he's trying to get out of these guys. He, he wants them to be serious about their craft and have fun while they're doing it. And um, yeah, I just think he's, I mean, again, I, I'm not paying nearly much attention to everybody else in town. So there may be other candidates worthy ones, but like if in the question of the most interesting uh, person in DC sports these days, that was the one that came to mind for me. Well, what about, uh, what about you? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's the best answer that there is also because I, I am curious. I mean, I think a lot of people have given him, despite his answer to you about people in the media who aren't on board or whatever, I think a lot of people have given him a lot of leeway and a lot of benefit of the doubt about this whole like culture change and all that stuff. And I, and I was skeptical and probably still am skeptical a little bit because it seems to me like talent and assembling good talent and, and coaching that talent is still more important than and culture, which is so immeasurable, but um, it makes me wonder a little bit. I mean, I, I, I start to wonder a little bit, could they be, could they get to a point ever where they were sort of, where you respected the operation? And it, it felt like there might be moments under Gibbs the second time and under Schottenheimer briefly and under Shanahan briefly where, where you might have gotten there and instead it became yeah, you know, something very different. Like Gibbs was kind of complicated at the end, but everything has always ended so badly. And I'm just curious to see if there's a way beyond that. And I don't know, I guess I've been skeptical and I'm still probably skeptical right now, but I'm curious how how he comes out of this year and, and what the future looks like. So I would say him, I'm, I mean, this is kind of insidery and I don't know that fans are as interested maybe they are but i'm really interested in the mark ted learner dynamic um, with the nationals ted is old and still i mean no disrespect he's just old and still apparently pretty much involved pretty heavily involved with certain decisions and this is going to be mark's team at some point and there are some serious decisions that they have to make um he's not going to put the team up for auction no He's not just gonna. He's not. Wait, you're saying the father of a, who owns the team isn't just gonna give the team oh, I see. to his kid? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. No. This is not. It's not a Jack Kent Cook. Situation. Not a Jack Kent Cook situation. Um, but they they have you know one more year with the big three pitching staff here, and they've got like a serious decision about how aggressively to go after this offseason. Um, and I don't know who is exactly making those decisions. I'm not sure if anyone does, but their private businesses have been battered by the pandemic. You know, they're in commercial real estate, which is, you know, between commercial real estate and professional sports are two areas that have both taken a real big hit here. And so I'm fascinated by how they approach this off season and how they would approach um, next year if they're in contention. But I don't know if that's as sexy as a coach. No, no, but that, but that's a great thought because I mean, whenever I, uh, I try. I try to get to have, to have conversations that are not about sports. It's pretty difficult when the only people I ever see on, with any regularity are the ten people who are covering the team. Yeah. That's literally about the only people I ever see in person. So unless I'm talking to them on the phone, I rarely uh, have any of our conversations. Uh, but one of them is what you know, what does society look like when we come out of this pandemic? And the commercial real estate industry is one I always talk about. I live near downtown Bethesda, and there's constantly office buildings and high rises going up and you just look and going 
who's, who's, who's moving into these places? Who, you know, do you want to live in a, in a, in a high story uh, apartment building these days, even if we get past the pandemic? I don't know. Do you want to have commercial real estate? So to your point of like this happening, like the, the Houston Rockets owner, like one of the reasons why everybody thinks they're maybe looking to move on from Harden and Westbrook is because that guy, all his money came from casinos, hotels, and um, restaurants, I think. Clearly, he took a hit this year. So yeah, it's interesting about, about the learners, uh, for sure, especially that, you know, they, they let Bryce Harper go, they let Anthony Rendon go, and, uh, you know, they did keep Strasburg, but right at some point it'd be interesting to see like what happens how we do they do they make some big moves to to go uh sort of quasi all in or 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 how does that work i think i think that's interesting i mean uh for for sure um speaking of the nets i told you i listened to the podcast we did and in 2017 one of the topics was who were the four biggest athletes in town at that point we we deemed the following alex ovechkin John Wall, Kirk Cousins, Bryce Harper. Did you get that? I, I think my babysitter is still here. So no, my babysitter being my 13-year-old daughter. Oh, okay. no, we're good. All right. Um, so obviously Kirk Cousins and Bryce Harper are gone. John Wall could be gone by the time this podcast uh, uploads. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm half kidding, but he, he, we don't know what his future is. Ovechkin is pretty good. So... Right now, if I said to you who are the four biggest stars in town, Ovechkin is clearly still one. I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna, we're going to play this out. We'll think this out in real time. The other candidates, I just jotted down. On the Nats, you got Juan Soto, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg. The Wizards, you still have John Wall, and you have Bradley Beal. Uh, l- let me not forget Elena Deladon. I mean, she's arguably the biggest WNBA star around, even though she didn't play this year. On the football team, Chase Young obviously is a big deal. Terry McLaurin is a big deal, but the core—I mean, Alex Smith to me—I always feel like he's more of a national big deal than he is a local big deal. But we can include him. Um, I'm only talking athletes, so I'm not including any of the any of the coaches. Uh, if I'm forgetting somebody, you know, I, I, if you want to put Nicholas Backstrom in there, fine. I suspect he's not making our top four. But uh, uh, you know, so if, if I'm forgetting anybody else, go ahead. But so, what for you, other than Ovechkin, who I assume you is obviously he's a lock. Who, 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 who's rounding out your current, uh, I don't want to say DC Mount Rushmore because that's too extreme, but who's the big four right now, do you think, in, in town? Okay, first of all, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I came up with a great system for, for processing this question. Oh can, I, can I explain that? I'm so excited. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, because because we used to always have the, the debate, oh, you know, how do you do it? Because, you know, the Washington football team might be a bigger deal than the nationals and the nationals might be a bigger deal than the caps no one cares about the wizards so how can you possibly do this so people would say oh well how about if there's someone walking down the street who would people rush up to but then you can't really do that because you know football players and basketball players might stand out more um might be more noticeable certainly basketball players so then people said oh what if you put put everyone in a convention hall and who would have the longest line for their autograph but i don't like that either because then it's still like the football team is more popular so maybe more people go there but anyhow so here's my system is that you give everyone you know a list of 50 names everyone who identifies as a dc sports fan a list of 50 names and then you have to judge their popularity one to 100 Uh oh what's going on Oh, okay. We're having we're having a cable TV issue. Sorry, people out there who are listening. Um, you want me to pause? So, 
No, we're, I think we're okay. I, okay. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm creating editing work for you, maybe. Or maybe we can yeah. just have this be so, charming. I, I think people like to hear domestic your domestic life, so we're fine so far. Go ahead. Okay, so you give everyone who's a self-identified DC sports fan a piece of paper with you write 40 names on there, or 50 names, or whatever, and you ask them, grade your positive feelings on this person 1 to 100. And then whoever has the highest score, those are the, the four people with the highest score, those are the four winners okay Ovechkin for sure everyone's gonna give him 100 like there's no way if, if you if you're a self-identified DC sports fan so I think these are who I think would be the the winners of that I think Ovechkin I think Scherzer I think Soto number four is probably tough I, mm, I'd probably say I would probably say Beal and I think that I think the person who would get the highest score on the football team is McLaurin I really do I think that if you gave people if you gave fans that that quiz with the hundred names. I mean, it's hard to feel badly about Alex Smith, but he also, it's more admiration and respect and kind of awe than it is like love, I think. And I, I think that he's got a ways to go to make people love him here. But I think McLaurin already feels like kind of authentically of the fan bases here. And I think he would get the highest score of anyone on that roster. But I, I'm going to say Beal, Scherzer, Soto, and Ovechkin. No, you're saying. Um, so one thing that's interesting since we spoke last at that previous podcast, my my uh, evolution, I guess, in, in my work has changed significantly. Um, just just this is the reality. And so like I not that I was a fan at that point, but like I was still felt much more on the outside of things and trying to figure out how to, you know, I was looking at looking through the through the glass window, so to speak. Oh, are you there? You there? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it paused for a second. So I, I paused. Anyway. Um, so I, I feel like sometimes now I'm, I, it's hard. It's a little bit harder for me to see the forest through the trees. Like it's hard. Like I look at a guy like Chase Young, the number two pick in the draft. He's, you know, he's become like a, every week now he talks to us on Zoom. He and Terry McLaurin are the two players beyond the quarterback that we're pretty much guaranteed to get. He has a lot of personality. His, 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 uh, his interviews are really interesting. And obviously from a upside perspective, I mean, he's, you know, pretty off the charts. McLaurin is fantastic. I think McLaurin to me is very similar to Bradley Beal. They are hyper mature for their, for their age. Um, you know, the, the type of guys, if they wanted to, you could see them like running for office someday, you know, and they're also just hot, incredibly good at what they do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of torn between the two of them. I think your other three are probably right on. I mean, the fact that Soto, and, uh, you know, Scherzer has been – I would probably say Scherzer is number two regardless. And Soto, you know, was – is the young rising star on the team that just won a World Series. He, and he – you know, it made – his presence made everybody feel a lot better about letting Bryce Harper leave, which it seems an impossible statement to have made during at any point we were all debating whether Bryce Harper would leave. Um, I think it just shows him. So, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go McLaurin – because uh, you know the receiver, like you know, offense is offense still sells more than defense, and he's the best. He's the best player they have on offense, so I'll go with him um, over. But man, I, I guess I guess that's the thing. The Wizards are so off the radar that even though Bradley Beal is a hell of a player, I just can't. I I, I think it's McLaurin, I, I, I or somebody on that team. I mean, that's I mean, Beal didn't make All NBA, which is not hit on him. But I think a lot of that he hasn't made it the last two years. Didn't make an All Star game, and I think that's because it just they they are off the radar, and he doesn't have the same charisma as John Wall does. John Wall has whatever you want to think about him as a basketball player. He 
he he gets people emotionally charged in ways that Beal doesn't. I'm not sure McLaurin totally does either, but he does because he's on the football team. So, um, yeah, I think I'm with you. Ovechkin, Soto, Scherzer, McLaurin. Well, I went with Beal, so you would have. That would be one difference. But I, oh, okay. I, I did go with Beal, but I don't know you. You might be right. I'm kind of second guessing myself. Well, I, a little I, bit look, on. I mean, look. Obviously, you know that like the Wizards to me was the team I really wanted to cover the most. So I, maybe I'm. Maybe this is just me being so pessimistic on the Wizards right now because I think that Beal is great and he is the one that they should be focusing on more than Wall and 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 all that stuff. And I do think Beal should have made an All NBA team. So maybe it's maybe it's, this is again the forest of the trees. I'm currently in the midst of covering this football team and Terry McLaurin is emerging as a fantastic, not just player, but the guy who really could be one of these guys who really leads them out of the wilderness because he's you know, he plays I mean, that, you know the hustle play yesterday. That, that's not – I mean, totally. it's one play, but that's the type of play you want to see from your best player. And he, totally. and he made that play. It's the type of play that's going to turn things around. And it, does, um, it felt – it felt. I mean, again, easy to say in, in retrospect, but it felt when he made that tackle, it was like they're going to stop him here and everyone's going to say McLaurin saved them four points. And, you know, they did. I, Cowboys helped a little bit, but that's exactly how it happened. Uh, yeah, ab, 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 absolutely. Um what was I going to ask you here? Hold on. I had a different question here. I was going to ask you now I lost. Oh, so, so we're, so, okay. So that's really, yeah, I, I may have to revisit this before the podcast ends, whether I go Beal or McLaurin, but to that end, we were talking about all these teams, uh, the caps. So a year ago, after the Nats win the world series, part of the conversation was have the Nats and or the caps eclipsed Washington, the Washington football team as the most popular in town and in the moment because those teams were riding high off titles some people were willing to say yes some people were like yeah you know look i mean and and i, I don't know if you what you thought from like a, a web traffic perspective i know that's how you and i often view the world is well the, the numbers show what what that means i was largely still s- skeptical though it was hard because the, last year was a particularly gloomy one from for the football team's perspective uh because i think a- apathy really kicked in wasn't even that they were bad people were just apathetic but like you said before things have turned around a bit i mean people there's reason to be optimistic or at least hopeful because of ron rivera chase young mccorn just it's just new and different you got rid of bruce allen and all that stuff that said because the caps and nats didn't have massive years this year to me it it it, 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 it looks like almost comical that we had a debate whether any team in town was more popular than the football team i get that the football team is not where they were they dwarf all the other teams unless the other team is winning a World Series. Is is there any am I am I often thinking uh, thinking that? Well, no. I guess it depends. It depends how you're gonna. It depends how you're gonna judge it. If you're talking about the total mass number of people who care, for sure, it's a football team, and it probably always will be, and that's gonna be reflected in things like web traffic um, for probably almost every place. There's 32 NFL teams, and it's the biggest sport in the country by a million miles, right? So I. Yeah, I, I think that in terms of the total mass number of people. But again, if, if we go to my favorability ratings, which is my new hobby horse here, say DC sports fans get a piece of paper and they get to rank favorability ratings for Caps, Nets, Wizards, and football team, and Mystics, and whoever, DC United, whoever else, I think that the Nets win. I think for someone who says, yes, I'm a DC sports fan, you don't say, are you a Watch football team fan? Are you a Caps fan? You say, are you a DC sports fan? And if they say yes, I think the Nets would get the highest favorability rating. I mean, that, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on the favorability rate. I mean, the, 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 they've obviously been good the last few years, where the football team has been largely a disappointment, except for a pocket or, or two of time here and there. 
And, you know, they have those exciting players we're talking about, even having lost some. Um, but I guess I just always view it as if the football team, which has been miserable, is still in the discussion for who's the most popular and the other teams are currently at, they, they can't get much better than having just won a World Series or a Stanley Cup. I, I just don't know. Like if those teams go backwards at all, like if Ovechkin, at some point Ovechkin's going to stop playing, then what? I'm not saying that all the fans will go away, but it's not going to be the same thing. The, the yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, my, my thing is that I think D.C. is a different place now than it was in the 80s in a lot of ways. Um, and I think, like, for example, I think the name actually was hurting them for in certain communities. I think the name was holding the football team back because people didn't want to buy stuff for their kids. Not everyone feel good about rooting for them. That doesn't mean that you know, if you take the entire geographic area that's in their footprint, which includes like, you know, all of Virginia and the Carolinas, some of the Carolinas and West Virginia, whatever, they had by far the most number of fans for sure, for sure. But does that mean, you know, in my neighborhood, are, are they the most popular team? No, they're not, not in my neighborhood. There's no way. Um, and so it's, it kind of just depends how you want to measure it. If you want to say like, if they went to a Super Bowl would the parade bring out the most number of people, like, yes, I'm sure that it would, if they won a Super Bowl. But I, I just think there's a lot of people who didn't live here. A lot of people in this community weren't here in the glory years and don't associate them with anything but being a kind of a disgrace or an embarrassment or something that you feel a little bit ashamed about. And so certainly, certainly kids these days do not automatically gravitate towards them the way that for, I mean, you didn't grow up around here, but like, you know, for us, I mean, obviously just in general, back when we were kids, everybody largely went with the local team. That's just how things worked. Uh, unless your parents had some connection somewhere else. Um, now it's definitely not that way. Definitively people root for all kinds of different reasons. They follow LeBron James wherever he goes. They like some guy from college. Maybe the, the player was in 2k or some video game or just like you know, Lamar Jackson is just fun. I'm going to root for that guy. Um, but the fact that they've been a miserable team for most of the last 20 years definitely does not help. So I'm with you on that. There, there's not, it's not the same thing at all. Uh, and the Nationals, that they have, uh, you know, just to use them, have tied uh, the, the area together in ways. I mean, so that's what winning does, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really there. My, 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 my only point would be if, they're, if the Nats and Caps aren't winning, then I, I don't think it's much of a debate. So as long as they're winning, then I get it. But that, that I just feel like to me, like this pandemic, again, this is maybe where I'm too in the forest or the trees again. To me, all, all the conversation is about that. Here's this with a different example. This is a very anecdotal. I, I mean, the Wizards, again, so off the radar, nobody cares. But like what, covering the Wizards primarily, like I'd go on the radio every once in a while. It's covering the football team. I could probably go on five times a week and I, I, that's just going on 980. Uh, so like, you know what I mean? Like nobody, I don't think they're having any Nats person, Caps person, Wizards person go on more than once a week, maybe. Definitely. If that's, if that's a reflection of, Partly who the hosts are, what they want to talk about, but also a reflection of what the fan base wants to wants to hear. I guess. I think you see. I think there's a difference between popularity and relevance too. You know, I like the Wizards are clearly the most irrelevant local team, and probably the football team is the most relevant and will always be the most relevant in terms of the sports conversation, just because they they play in the National Football League. You can't get away from that, and and. I mean, it's the reason I, I never really was too hard on the sport, local sports radio hosts for devoting so much time to them is because there's so many interesting things to talk about about an NFL team. There just are. And the way the calendar sets up 
with the Sunday games and the Monday reaction and then like leading up to the next game and you got Thursday night and it's, it's really good. And I, I, I mean, I could follow the nationals as closely as I do and I follow them pretty closely and then still, you know, miss a game or miss three games or miss five innings some night and not really feel like I missed that much, but you can't do that with a football team. You have to know what happened and you have to sort of, it's just this, this cycle that draws you in. And so they're always going to be the most relevant. I think if that's, I just think popularity has to do with a certain amount of good feelings too. And the football team has squandered so much of that, that some of it is almost like hate relevance. Like people like pay attention, wanting something bad to happen to the football team. They're still paying attention, but they're kind of like rooting for chaos or mayhem, maybe a little bit less so this year, but that's how I feel. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mentioned this before on a previous podcast, but I remember last year I went to one of the Nats, uh, uh, World Series games. I think it was game five. Um, and uh, b- before the game, I went over to Half Street and I ran, you know, I had, a, had, had an adult beverage and I ran into a friend of mine and, and we had a conversation that I had had at that point with several friends. They all know what I do for a living um, and they all were, couldn't, couldn't be happier to tell me how they could care less about the team I cover. They grew up here. This was the team they cared about the most. They dedicated their whole Sundays to them. Their moods would change dramatically, whether the team won or lost. And now they're just so ecstatic that they don't care at all that, that you know, Dan Snyder's ruined the team for them. And now they have this other team here with the Nats. And previously, the previous year you had the Capitals. They were so excited. I mean, like they, they were gleeful in telling me this. That's what yeah. stood out to me the most. So I definitely, right. there's definitely a lot of that. And, I'm, and I don't think Ron Rivera, Chase Young and McLaurin have, have fixed all that by any stretch. They're still only four and seven. Just because the NFC East is a disaster doesn't doesn't make it that like they've actually become good. Um, I just I, I'm just simply it's it's basically the shampoo effect. It just all they have to do is start to win a little bit, and and the, the people will lather up for that team versus the other teams. They better win, or things are just gonna. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're bandwagon fans. I'm just saying from a sure uh, relevance. Attention, yeah, relevance. Yeah. Yes. It is crazy. The four seven thing is crazy, and I'm I, like I just completely fell head over heels into it on this podcast. But if they were four and seven, and the division leader was, you know, nine and two, it would be like, well, here they are, five games back, totally out of the picture in November. Ron Rivera can't fix it in a year or whatever. And instead, I'm like, yeah, like home playoff game, six and ten, let's go. Right. Well, you also, I think, are like you, you, you like seeing the city. You like chaos. I mean, I think a lot of people can do. I don't mean that like about it, but like. It's, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a little subversive. It's kind of fun to be like, to, to, to put a big, you know, fly in the ointment of the NFL world that this terrible, that team with a, a terrible record is going to host some 10 win team and just how insane that looks. Both it's the true. League there was and everything else. The year that they, I, I think it was, I can't remember. The division's been down for a while. Oh, or, it's really down. Hey, Dan, hold, hold on. Dan, hold, hold on one second. You can hear me. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, all I was going to say is I, there, were, there was a year when the NFC East was seemed like it might be similarly down. And in like late November or early December, I was trying to plot out a way that someone could win the division at seven and nine and, or six and 10 or something. I was definitely taking glee in it. And it didn't, didn't pan out that year. But this year, it has panned out to my wildest delight in terms of the division being horrible. And yeah, I mean, I still think it's, it's possible that we could have two five win teams going into week 17 as the favorites. Yeah, I'm with you. I, this is this is one of my my malfunctions is like I I I I feel like I'm like I don't mind I I, I totally get this aversive aspect of all this. It's kind of fun. I just don't like when people talk about oh they 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 could be a playoff team. I'm like no 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 no. 
don't 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 talk to me like they're good. Yeah. They might make the playoffs because this thing is crazy, but don't like act like they made the playoffs like in a real way. That that that's the part where I start to push back on and get uh, and get. Uh, 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 annoyed with but yes it's definitely interesting and my only thing is from a bigger picture perspective if what we saw yesterday translates over the rest of the year regardless of whether they win the division or not but like the defense looks really good you know they're doing some you know there's reason to think that chase young mclaurin deron Payne, whoever you want to say there's reason to be optimistic about them that's a good thing like that that's something you can get behind just because the eagles giants and cowboys stink doesn't mean though that uh, <laughs> that, uh, that anything's any good um uh, you're listening to the uh, Standard Room Only podcast. Ben standing here along with my uh, my, my guest, uh, the great Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post, uh, who, by the way, I should mention, if you didn't see it, he came out of retirement writing the other day and he wrote about Dan Snyder. Uh, we were all happy to, to see that. I had like multiple people tell me, hey, look, look who used his fingers again. Nice. Um, so that was, a, that was a very good uh, column there. Um, let, let, let's switch gears slightly and get into some uh, another one of my favorite topics. I think one you like as well especially since you used to be a media critic to some degree, is the, is the, the DC media scene. Um, uh, there's lots of things I could possibly get into, but I'll just sort of open it up for you. There's a lot, what, when I say DC sports media, what comes to mind first? Like what, what do you find interesting right now? Either something that's happening, something that's changed, uh, where things are, what, what kind of stands out to you right now? Because it it's very different, even just from when we talked a few years ago, just the landscape of, 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 of sports media in general, but specifically locally. Yeah. I mean, I don't follow it as close as I used to, but the, just the amount of change and the uncertainty is what's most striking. The two radio stations currently, I think sharing a studio space. Is that right? They're in the same building now. Um, I think that's at least going to happen. I mean, I know when I get a call, it's a different number now. Yeah. From, so I, I, yeah. So I think they, I must think be they are, to... I think they're in the same building now. Um, and I don't know what the future is going to hold. I thought, regardless of what anyone thinks about the quality, I think that it's good for the local sports media community and for the local sports fan community to have two stations. And I don't know. I guess I don't know if we will still. I guess I'm curious about that. Technically, um, we have three, but admittedly, 630 is a little okay, bit off the radar. Right. 630, you're right. Thank you Thank for the correction. Sure. Um, then there's the afternoon drive slot on 106.7 remains unfilled since – Chad Dukes' removal, so that's interesting. I think that what happens with local television sports news, again, like, I don't watch the evening news on Channel 4 or 7 or 9. I'm sorry to the hosts who I like, but I don't watch. It's not how life works for a lot of people anymore, and it's certainly not how life works for me, but I think it's good for kind of the local sports community to have those figures, and I mean, obviously in D.C. where we had the George Michaels and the Herz, Frank Herzogs and the, um, you know, Glenn Brenner's and all those people, like just giants who, when you went to an event, like a big press conference or a big game, and you said, all the big people are here, this is a big event. And it's harder and harder to identify those people as television, local television kind of dips in importance. And even, you know, with uh, NBC Sports Washington, they've made some changes there that have, I think, probably hurt the top of the masthead in terms of people with like gravitas or a certain kind of a level of import. I'm curious who takes those roles in the future. I, who is it now? I, you? <laughs> Definitely not me. Uh, this right? actually, no, no, this look, I, I, everything you just said is interesting because it's, it, it, it leads to sort of um, 
I mean, there's a lot of things to get into there and I'll cut circle back in a second. But one of the questions I have here is, you know, it isn't just about the radio, the TV, there's also print, there's also online, but like the idea of like, who's the most in influential voices in town. And like you said, when, you know, when, when, when radio stations have, you know, things change and they haven't changed a ton. It is a lot of the same lineup on the radio, but there is a, 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 a the whole right now in the afternoon on 106.7, the local TV though, like you said, it's not even close to being what it was back in the day. I mean, yeah, again, I'm friends with all these people, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the same thing that there's no, there, there, there can't be a debate. It's not the same thing. Um, and, and it does sort of lead, I, I'll, I'll sort of lump this in, but like, I think you were sort of asking kind of the questions like, so who is sort of the influential voices in town? So who is the most influential voice in town? Because my, for my money, the last influential voice in town is the other person in this conversation. That would be you. You, you will hate that for me to give, to give you that type of uh, status. But when you were doing your column, I think you were the guy who was the most influential voice. People gravitated towards you. I always said when you retweeted something I, I, I had, I got, the, the, I got much more uh, feedback and people reacting to it than, uh, than other things, than other people who might be kind enough to, to tweet. But you don't do that anymore, typically. So I don't know who it is. I mean, that, I, I, don't I, I, think that's it. I, I, I sat here and thought about this before. I, I don't have an answer. I don't know either. I will say that the last time I got into a conversation at all along these lines, I wound up offending a, a huge number of my coworkers unintentionally. And so <laughs> how about this? Who has the most Twitter followers of any DC sports media member? I think David Aldridge, if we count him, your boss, as a, we've got him as a DC sports media member, he would probably win, right? Um, I think, you know, John Clayton writes a weekly column for the post, but no one really thinks of him as like a DC sports media member. Yeah. And I think that David, I mean, David's, I mean, he's wonderful, obviously, and he's working full time in just about in DC sports now, but I think he is known as like a national NBA voice more than a DC sports voice. So if we, if we talked about just DC sports voices who write or, or tweet primarily about DC sports, I think Grant Paulson probably has the biggest Twitter following. Is that, do you think that's, no, that may be right. I, I haven't done that math, and now I will waste three hours after we get off this thing and look and look that up. It might, it might very well. I would guess that it's Grant Paulson that has the biggest Twitter following. Now, I know he has like some national kind of minor league baseball um, followers, and you know probably other sports too. Steve Goff from the Post has a huge Twitter following for covering soccer, but it's really because of his national coverage of MLS and the U.S. Men's National Team. I think that Grant all full respect to everyone that I work with have ever worked with or will ever work in the future. I think Grant might be, might, might be, have a certain <laughs> import right now. Um, and, and kind of help drive conversations. I think the junkies as a group certainly do, but they don't have sort of a unified online voice in the same way. Um, no, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think the junkies speak to a, a, a certain segment of the population, but in terms of really having a conversation about sports, that not really that, they're not really those voices. Um, and, and I'm with you on Grant, who was, you know, uh, who has previously worked with me at The Athletic. Um, he, he's a guy, I just look, he's got about 100,000 Twitter followers. Golf, like you mentioned, has like 159. But I don't, DC United is just too far off the radar. And for him, it is more, he's like one of the big voices in the world of soccer. So I think it's much more about, about that. Um, I, I think Grant's interesting. I think if he becomes if he and Danny, they move that show to replace Chad Dukes, I don't know that. But if that if that were to happen, I think that would actually even increase his uh, status, right? Agreed. I mean, midday is fine and they do a good job. But, you know, the drive time, even in the pandemic world, is a uh, 
is a bigger is a bigger deal. I feel um, like they do. I, I feel like they do a good job. Those guys of um, kind of raising up topics that might might be annoying to some people, but also will get people talking, which is part of their job. And I think part of what I used to consider my job. I think when they talked incessantly about the Nats batting order that one year, I think Dusty's last year about where Rendon should be hitting. It was overkill and annoying. And and I'm sure that a lot of people got annoyed with one or both of them, but they made that a real kind of vibrant part of that season. Um, You know, same with the question they go back and forth. Kirk Cousins, absolutely. But the question they've been going back and forth on lately, I don't listen to sports radio. I just sort of know that this is happening, but about whether or not, Chase Young has merited the number two overall pick. I think it's a. Well, I think I think somebody in your paper uh, brought made that a conversation. Well, yeah, but it, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but it already was. I mean, it's it's like, you know, it's not. It's like a sixty forty probably proposition or seventy thirty or something like that. I, but it's something that everyone can have an opinion on, and it's something that's like ever relevant. And those guys do a good job of picking up on those topics and kind of driving that debate day after day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think like you know whether you agree with Grant or not, he has a strong take on certain topics and he makes them relevant. And that's like you said. I mean, when people think about that Kirk Cousins debate, should they give him a contract or whatever? If you think, well, who was the media person that was sort of one, in one way or the other focused on that? He was the one. Uh, that, you know, he was definitely Team Kirk Cousins, and people make fun of him for that or whatever. But yeah, he was definitely that voice or something for that. I w- I will say, I think Kevin Sheehan um, is. Uh, you know, I think 980 just has not does does not have the same breadth. Uh, you know, so it's not as it doesn't get the same traffic ratings as 1067. But like, I just know when I go on his podcast, the amount of people who tell me that they heard me on his podcast far exceeds the people who tell me they read my stuff on the Athletic. Um, so, uh, so I, I think she and and um, beyond that, yeah, I mean that's tough. I mean, you guys, you know, look, I, as somebody who grew up in the Kornheiser era when Boswell was you know, at, at his peak of his powers, Wilbon and all that, you know, it, it's, I mean, I, you know, I love some of your columnists I and mean, Jerry Brewer, you know, I, I consider a friend and all that, but it's just not the same. It's not the same thing right now. And uh, that that's where it is sort of the question of like, like traditionally the Washington Post columnist would probably be the person that has that status. That's why I was saying you before, but it doesn't quite have that. I don't know who, and that's why I'm asking the question. I don't know who that voice is right now. Let me say this too. And this is, my job now, I mean, I don't know, do your listeners care about this? I guess we'll find out. My job now is editing columnists at the Post, which is... I should have said that before. I guess I just assume everybody knows what you do these days, but maybe they don't. Yeah, I mean, I write a, a little bit and I edit col- columns at the Post, but I... I so basically tra- what Dan is saying is I just trashed No, work. no, I'm saying <laughs> I, I am supposed to be very cognizant and very attuned to what our role is and in the, what the sports department role is at the Washington Post. And it's not the same thing as it was in the 1990s or the 80s. It's, it's just not. We have a national audience now that's coming to our website to read about national issues. And Jerry Brewer lives in Seattle now. He, I mean, that would have been unthinkable for someone who, you know, was a comes writing about local sports 20 years ago, but he lives in Seattle because we want him to be a voice on national issues and we want Barry Sferluga to do that too, even though he lives here. And we want Sally, who Sally Jenkins, who lives in New York to do that. And, you know, Boz is probably never going to do that entirely, but our, if you, if you say, where are we going to grow our audience? Where are we going to get more people to read about sports? It's not 
really by quadrupling down on DC sports fans at this point is by trying to get the national audiences coming to us for politics and social coverage to read about sports as well. And so I think that's our, our path for relevance within the paper is also sort of a path for decreased relevance on the standard group only podcast. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and, and look, I, I mean, you know, despite the fact that, you know, for, for my job, I've got to compete against the people you got that you guys have on the B, whether it was with the football team or when I was with the wizard and maybe it's compete in my own head. I don't, I, I mean, look at the athletic. Yes, I am competing against the Washington post. The people, the athletic would be, would be mad at me if I said otherwise, but other and other stops along the way was my head. I was competing against, but at the same time, I am a person who grew up here. And that to me is why I view, you know, I, I always view the Washington Post as a consumer more than as a competitor. And it definitely the shift has become obvious over time. And then it's even more so in this era of, uh, you know, the, the Donald Trump, where obviously you guys and, and the New York Times, you know, so much of what you have of the traffic and the, and the business that you guys generate is off of that. And it's serving a national audience. It isn't just about, you know, what's happening with Mayor Bowser or, or, or Governor Hogan. It's about these national topics. And yeah, I mean, I think that drive it's obviously you're you're saying you're on the inside but that seems like even just as a consumer that seems um seems apparent and i do try to keep that in mind but at the same time you know for the purpose of these conversations of like you know who is the main voice in town it is it is interesting well i also think that the pandemic has exacerbated that accelerated it i don't know what because i think that the benefit you get from being around a team constantly no offense to you or, or your colleagues but the benefit of being there in person and of being really devoted to that topic has probably decreased a little bit because you can't pick up on things quite as easily and you can't make the relationships quite as smoothly. And, you know, I just, to an increasing degree, we at home, me being like taking myself outside of the media world now can, can see so much of the same stuff that you guys can see. And so if there's less value in having like intensive local coverage, then I think it, just diminishes everyone a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You literally, I mean, look, I just took shots at your columnist and now you just downgraded my job. So it's all good. No, I, you're right. I mean, and one, like one of the topics I have here is sort of how the idea of Zoom has really made it made things interesting because I'm with you. Like, for example, I don't watch a ton of local news anymore. Certainly not sports. It's just not how I'm consuming information anymore. But we're all on the Zooms together. So it's not just the people who are writing, it's also the TV people. Uh, there's some sports producers for the TV stations there. Not so much, there's no really, none of the real radio people, unless Chris Russell, who does who does write also. Um, and so we're all in there together and we're really kind of, I mean, it's only questions to Ron Rivera or the players, but like, or, or the coordinators, but we are kind of all witnessing each other work and you, you do take notice. I mean, like for example, Scott Abraham, I, if you said right now who's the number one TV sports person in town, anchor person in town, I guess I would say Scott, and it's largely because of what I've seen him do on these Zoom calls. I think he does a really good job. He got, he's, he's asked Ron Rivera a lot of questions that have generated interesting responses. And um, that, I wouldn't have necessarily, you know, I, I'm not watching his um, his broadcast all the time to, to see that. So it, 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 yeah. I think in some ways I'm seeing that more. Um, and I, I, yeah, just in general, I mean, you're just more, even, even people who, who are on the beat, I don't read everybody's stuff every minute. I can't, nobody can, but you're cognizant of every day. What is somebody else asking? And so it makes you more aware or less, you know, you're making, becomes more aware of what they're doing, even on, even just under that, um, under that sense. 
it would be brutal for me if, if I was still working. Though, it would be brutal for me because the thing that I think, like you said, I, I think that I I was a terrible columnist because I didn't have strong enough opinions or enough knowledge. But the thing that I think I like to do best, and I was probably best at, was to try to find something interesting that other people weren't focused on and try to make a big deal out of that. Um, and it's when everyone's asking the same questions and when everyone's asking questions in front of everyone else and you, you can't kind of like sneak up to someone and say like, Hey, I heard that you guys were all over at Josh Norman's house last Wednesday night, you know, eating whatever you were, you just, it's, it's hard to be unique when you're in those zooms with everyone else. I would hate it. I would just hate it. It would make me miserable. It's, it's, uh, it honestly has been tough. Like at the athletic, like part of the deal, like for example, you know, uh, right now we have this like sale, you can get the, the subscription for an entire year for 12 bucks. But normally the deal is like, you got to pay X amount of dollars a month, right? So I, how do I get somebody to pay for this? I can't just write the same story that everybody else is going to write off of Ron Rivera's press conference. You have to think of something different as much as you can. It's, it's harder to do that. I mean, I've tried a few times, but it's hard to do that when you're in this situation. I'm largely stuck with these Zooms and yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is weird. Um, I, 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 I can't keep you here forever. So I've got a bunch of other questions. So, so let's get through some of these. Uh, I, I will let you if you want. Did you want to re, did you want to re, make a recommendation for who 1067 should hire to replace Chad Dukes? Did you want to do that? That's an interesting question. Um, no, no, but I, as someone I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say that privately and I think publicly too, I've said it's pretty striking how many of their hosts are white, which I think is basically all of them and so I, yeah. I thought that it would be it would be a good gesture for them to change that at some point and this seems like an opportunity a hundred percent I mean I would be surprised if that was not addressed in this situation without knowing exactly what's going to happen maybe it's you bring two people in and um, you know I mean obviously you, you know you typically like with these things you look to see who else is around there um, uh, this is just me saying this, but like, you know, like JP Finley's obviously been doing a lot of stuff for them. I don't know if he could be full-time, but like could even expand the role. Who knows? Um, obviously Chris Russell has been around there forever. Uh, Pete Medhurst, but yes, they all, that does not change any dynamic that you're talking about. And I would agree that um, that's something that seems logical that you would have to, uh, to, to, to address uh, at some point. Um, we, we, we discussed who's the most influential voice in town. Here's one that's slightly different. Who's the most underrated Who's the least person. influential? Well, least influential. I mean, uh, I, thought, uh, I thought it was going to be who's the least influential. <laughs> um, look, I'll show you my traffic numbers here on this podcast, and the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, most uh, most underrated media person in town. Now, I mean, you. This would have been a better question for you a few years ago when you, one of the things that was great about you was you would read everybody's stuff because for the DC sports blog in particular, you were writing about kind of what was happening all over the place, and you would not be afraid to retweet other people's things even if they didn't work for the post, which for somebody like me who was, you know, nobody was a big deal. Uh, so most underrated media person in town. Um, I, I had a couple names written down, but if you, if you have a thought, I don't want to influence you by any stripes. So if you have a thought. Okay. Well, I'm not going to mention anyone at the post just to make that clear. Cause I don't want to have to choose among colleagues. So sure. no one at the post is eligible for this award. I'm going to tell you the person who most frequently writes things where I was like, ah, that's a good idea that's a good idea. I should have done that. Or I should have had someone do that. Or that's a really smart headline. Or that's a good idea. And I'm probably going to make some people mad by saying this. I don't know. I think Michael Phillips, he writes things a lot where I was like, ah, that was a good idea. And he's not even in town early. He works in Richmond. Um, I don't know what his job is exactly. He's a columnist. He's a beat writer. He's an editor. I don't, he does all those things. I'm not sure. But a lot of times he has written things where I was like, ah, that was smart. I wish I had done that. 
he is on my list, but I was going to qualify as he's not technically of this town, but since he covers the football team, um, you know, it counts. I mean, he's on, I mean, he's, he was on, he was on my podcast yesterday. So, I mean, it is, uh, you know, it is, no, I, I, I'm with you. He, um, he's creative. I think if he was actually more in DC, like I actually worked for one of the true local outlets, I think he would be a, 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 a bigger, uh, a bigger deal on that front. Um, I, I, some of the other names I wrote, uh, Mike, uh, I, I will offend people at my place probably, but I went with my, my colleague, Britt Giroli with the Nats. She, she's good on the Nats. She doesn't do a lot of like day-to-day stuff on the Nats, but she's also really good at coming up with creative ideas. Like she's somebody at my place I look to, to see how does somebody succeed at the athletic. Uh, and and, it, and it, she goes beyond just covering that team. She does some na- uh, not national teams, but big broader stories involving sports Definitely. or baseball yes. that, that I think is good. Um, on on the local on the on the local radio front, uh, I, I think Al Galdi's underrated. I, I think he's he's really like he, you know he can do the radio voice like like a lot of them can, but he he comes up with different angles that I, I think you know he puts on a, he puts on his like stat nerd head and can you know, can dig into the numbers in ways that I don't always hear other people talk about. So at least he's unique in that way. Not saying he's the most influential like the other guys, but I think he's uh, I think he's pretty good at what he does. Um, that's all I had. And Phillips was the other one I had. Uh, yeah, no, Brit, Brit is definitely a good one. Um, it just in, in, uh, in terms of the jealousy thing, too, like she has written stories where I was like, and this is not, no knock on our Nats writers or anything, but she's written stories where I've said it would have been a good story for us to have. I think that's like the ultimate compliment, right? For someone in this business, is I wish I had asked that question, I wish I had gotten that story, I wish I had written that headline. Um, and she definitely qualifies for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's no better comp. I mean, if somebody tells me they like something I wrote, I immediately assume that that person's either drunk or doesn't know what they're doing because that's that's terrible. But if they tell me I had a good idea, okay, that I'll that I'll yeah. I'll, I'll take um, I'll take a little bit. Uh, I'll take some more. Um, I'm trying to think since you're not giving your lo- love to anybody at your place, I'm trying to think who who would I give love to at your place. Uh, it's a lot of transition right now. I don't read the natural sound. I mean, I think I, 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 I've said this before. I think your, I think your football team's coverage is, is uh, not no disrespect to anybody else. I think it's, it's an upgrade now. Uh, I would, I'll, I will say that. I'll leave it at that. All right. So I got a couple of random questions for you that are, this is the things I ask everybody on the podcast. You ready? Yeah. Person you wish follow you on Twitter that doesn't. I just had one the other day where I was insulted that someone didn't follow me, but I think that was more insulted than um, wished. How about your boss? Can I say that? You you can. He doesn't follow you. No. Oh. I've always I've always thought that he. Um, yeah. No, he doesn't follow me. I'm gonna say David Aldrich. Okay. Well, that's uh, that, that 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 works. Um, it, uh, would you what we want? Well, I I was gonna say you want me to ask him, but that'd probably be worse <laughs> for me than. Uh, that they're not so we'll, we'll, we'll keep that between us but if somebody somebody's listening to this tells him i can't help anything yeah. um yeah you guys have better my, i my, my joke or answer when i started this was rihanna but like now i feel like i need to come up with it i have to i have to come up with a real person that actually like sort of bothers me like rihanna obviously is never going to follow me but I, I need to come up with a real person who actually bothers me today that i have to think about that um all-time favorite athlete uh this is an easy answer for me although a little bit embarrassing but 
it was the only person I've told people this is the only I think the only person I've ever interviewed professionally who I was felt a little bit odd by and I've interviewed plenty of people who could have been odd by but it was Cal Ripken because when I was a kid he was um my favorite baseball player and somehow I never got over that one and so I've, I've talked to him a couple times and I kind of felt like a little bit of a thrill that I haven't felt so that's the answer I, I'm not, I should keep you. track of who says what, but like that he's been a multiple time answer so far for sure. And maybe it's cause I'm, you know, for our age range, it makes perfect sense, but yeah, he's a, uh, he, he's an obvious good one for sure. Um, the your Deez, answer? Uh, Eddie Murray. <laughs> Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, obviously none, none of us are getting out and about these days. What's the DC area. What's your favorite DC area spot sanctuary whatever it is that you've missed most during the pandemic out of whatever it is restaurant some random bench park bench uh yeah I, I know you're a big clubbing kind of guy you know kind of such a nerd this is such a nerdy answer but I like pol- politics and pros yeah I like to go on there just to hang out I've actually sprinted through there a couple times um during the pandemic to pick stuff up but it's not the same when you have to like yeah, I think they have like a maximum amount of time you're allowed in there and you're supposed to hurry as much as possible. I love just kind of browsing there. That's yeah. what a horrible DC nerd answer. No, no, that's a good one. I Mine is sort of in the same vein in the sense that it's it's the Parkway Deli. Now, have I gotten takeout during the <laughs> pandemic? Yes, but it's it's not the food, it's the setting. I, I can't just go in there and like hang out with the pickle bar. By the way, when we did this podcast the last time, we started this, we, we, we opened the first five to 10 minutes, you talking about, you were, you were interested in becoming a pickler. <laughs> you were explaining to I me like how pickling, a few times. You were explaining to me how, how pickling works because I couldn't I, I still don't to this day understand how, how it works. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's say we're, we're all hoping they're going to get a vaccine here sometime soon. Whenever whenever you feel good, you get the vaccine. Whenever you feel good to go to a game, what's the first game you want that you could pick the game? What's the first game, event, whatever you would pick as a fan? Like opponent, or you just want to know like the setting? I mean, whatever. You could, you, yeah, I mean, you could say you want to go to a Nats game, or you could say specifically, I want to go to uh, Georgetown, Syracuse. You know, whatever the whatever 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 your thing is. Can, yeah. Okay. I, w- I mean, I, I would say a Nats game. I would. And I would say I don't care about the opponent, but I would want to go to like when a Nats night game on like a cool spring night where you just kind of hang out out in center field or you know up in the left field corner just just kind of the game's on in the background and you're just eating a veggie dog and drinking a cold domestic lager and just nowhere to go and no reason to do anything but just hang out and be happy eating a veggie dog yeah the the next part thing and i talked about this a little bit i Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What? No, no, God. I was just gonna make fun of your veggie. Dog. I was gonna say, like, when I talked to, I love veggie dogs. I love Nats Park veggie dogs. When I was talking earlier about my neighborhood and and I think everything that I do that I say about DC sports is tempered through like my children and my family, and that's like the place that we have gone and will go again as a family the most. And so I think that's probably why it really stands out. I would love to just hang out there sometime again. 
I mean, that is the thing about baseball, right? I don't know if I could sit and watch nine innings anymore for anything, but the hangout aspect of a baseball game is a much different deal, assuming it's not like sellout crowd. I mean, if it's a sellout crowd, it means it's a huge game, and then there's the excitement from that. But, yeah, the the, 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 the watch the game, then go take a lap at some point to go find the beer, the ice cream, whatever your thing is, come back. If you have kids, you're looking yeah. for the mascot or whatever. And then, if, yeah, if it's the nice you – know, you, you said at night, but, yeah, as long as the weather's nice and you can sit outside and, you know, t-shirt and shorts it's a whole different deal than um otherwise so i'm with you um i'm with you on that front um i think i've asked you enough questions there, there's some other ones here but um i i could uh i mean <laughs> let's do part two we'll do part two sometime oh i mean i'm i'm, I'm whenever you want to come on but i i mentioned before you were allowed to ask me question as well uh, something either in relation to what i just did or something bigger topic that, that we did that that you thought about during this or we, we 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 tangentially touched on or you want to put me on the spot whatever you got you are allowed to uh, put your reporter hat back on and ask me questions well i mean the things i most would want to talk to you we have talked about it before and it's about like the future of the athletic and and stuff like that but that's i don't want to get into that here uh, let me let me ask you this question when, when people because I, I talked about it a little bit. Maybe this is boring, but it is what I would most want to ask you. Do you do you buy the idea of take away the Snyder element of the thing? Do you do you buy the idea that in one year a coach coach Ron Rivera has changed the culture of the locker room of that football team? So like this is to your point of like, you know, we can't be in the locker room. So everything I'm going on is based on what people t- are telling me in an interview that's typically it being done in front of dozens of people that they know others are listening to, will listen to, the coach can listen to, all that stuff, right? So all based on all of that, I, he's at least changed it compared to what it was. Because one question I always try to ask and others have as well is not just simply saying what is he doing, it's how is he doing differently compared to what was just happening under the previous staff. And they, I never get somebody saying, like at most once in a while somebody will say, I don't want to compare to, to other things, but you know, he's doing a good job, but you definitely get guys who are saying, Oh yeah, things are being done a lot differently now in this way. He, Ron Rivera is really direct about what he wants. He, he, he lays out what everybody needs to do, but he does it in a positive way. He gives you motivation, um, tells you not to worry about the, you know, focus on what you can control, what you can control these types of things. And it really does seem like these guys have bought into that. Now, again, does that mean they're going to become a division title contender again when everybody's actually good? You know, are they going to be a team we're talking about contending for the Super Bowl? Obviously, you got to tell me what the quarterback is as much as anything else, as you sort of hit, hit before talent kind of wins out regardless. But I think the answer is yes. I, I, I think people buy into what he's selling. And I think the rest of it comes down to, you know, ultimately he is the one football voice they've told us, but – the owner is still the owner. The owner is the one who wanted Dwayne Haskins just a, just over a year ago, and that put every you know Jay Gruden and Ron Rivera in a bit of a pickle because they had to sort of comply to to this. And 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 how do you do that? So I, I think the answer I would pickle. say is yes. Yes. More pickle, pickle. talk. Yeah. Uh, so I think the answer is yes. Um, I, I, I I yeah I'll just say unequivocally yes, but at the same time I'm not saying it means that all of a sudden they're going to become some you know dynasty again because. There's a lot of variables that go into it, let alone the owner, but I can't, I can't ignore the owner. Okay. One more question for you. You can ask as many as you want. I'm in no, I have literally nowhere to go. I got it. I got to go.
more to go. You you can only follow one DC sports person on Twitter, and it can't be anyone you work with, and it can't be me. Uh, great You're only allowed to follow one DC sports person on Twitter. This is this is this is the most fantastic question. It's one I've pondered many times. Um, I, I have a I have a Twitter list where I try to narrow it down to because I follow like 1,300 people or something, <laughs> but I try to have a one list where I'm like, okay, if I only have time, to watch, who are the people that I need to, to know? So, but you're saying broad DC sports. You're not just saying I'm covering the Washington, because like, you know, people who cover the team, like, you know, anybody who's on my beat is largely covering that team. So what am I, what, what, what is it just the most interesting person? Or, or like, or, or, you know what I mean? Because like Grant Paulson might talk about, and Sheen might talk about all the sports, but they're not hyper local on any, you know, I mean, like, what, 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 what's your definition of that? Okay, you know what? Let me, let me change. Let me change my question entirely. Though, let me change my. You're, you're only allowed to follow one person. You can only follow one person on Twitter. Uh, a, a period. Um, yeah, period. Um, you know who's really good? Is this completely has nothing to do with DC sports. I just always find him interesting, and he t- he he touches on like a lot of different topics, but he does it in a funny way. Is uh, I'm Dave Itzkoff with the with the New York Times. You follow uh, that guy? Yeah. He's really he's always I don't, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he 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 he's always has a good start. He he he'll touch on the big topics of the day, but does it in a way that is completely all about humor and, and sarcasm. Um, on the local sports, let me think the local sports. I don't want to cop out here. Um, man, uh, I and you said I can't pick you. Well, you don't tweet. So I can't even pick you anyway. You're, 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 you know, you, you've become a recluse and go on that front for the true. most part. Um, it's true. I mean, maybe it would be Grant, except that Grant doesn't like, he doesn't like, he doesn't care about all about the Wizards, and I don't always agree with his takes, which isn't to say that I need to follow somebody whose takes I agree with. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Do you, you have an answer to that one as I'm, as I'm stalling? Well, no, I think it's interesting because I would have always in the past have said uh, our friend records and radio, Danny, who um, oh, yeah. I think used to be both for his combination of illegal television clips and humor and celebration and sadness. I think he used to be number one and he's taken a massive, massive step back from following sports and tweeting about sports. And so I don't, I don't know that I have an answer right now. Yeah, I'm looking through the list that I have and like everything, everybody is very specific to a certain beat and not like just like JP Finley may come closest to sort of being like a fun follow while somebody who also covers teams. Um, So maybe him. um, That's the answer. Yeah, so, so, so so maybe... So maybe him, but like I said, but he, you know, I need, I probably need more wizardy and basketball talk in my feed, and he doesn't do that either. So that, that's my hesitation. Yeah, he's into the wizards, though. Yeah, he's into uh, the wizards, though. Okay, I can... Dan, definitely appreciate the time, man. Uh, obviously, you guys are all following Dan. On no, Twitter. that's me saying I probably talked to you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's probably true too. All right, uh, follow Dan on Twitter, of course, at DC Sports Blog. Go read all the columnists he's editing at the Washington Post. And uh, badger him to write more on Twitter as well. Be nice to him, but like, you know, constantly say, Dan, what's next? Hey, so uh, d- uh, my conversation with Dan uh, ended sort of abruptly. He had to go to take care of his kids and I had to, uh, we were having some technical issues with the, with the, uh, with the Zoom. So I just wanted to say uh, 
cap it here by saying thanks to Dan Steinberg with the Washington Post for his time. Always a blast talking to him. Maybe we'll get him back at the start of 2021 to, to talk about, to look ahead to what's going to happen in the year of DC sports. Uh, but anyway, appreciate Dan's time. And of course, thanks to everybody here for listening to the podcast um, and subscribing. You can do, of course, if you're not already, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can do your podcasting. You should be able to find us. Uh, and of course, since talking about subscribing, make sure to check out the athletic um, this you're probably hearing this on monday or, or maybe you're hearing it on monday if you are the black friday sale runs through this day meaning monday so make sure you get it subscribe one dollar a month over the course of a year um, it's a pretty good deal if i do say so so check that out and uh, if you want to hit me up on twitter at ben standing always glad to talk there just you know be nice um and i'll try to do the same all right that's it for now back with more washington football uh, team talk and other DC sports thoughts coming up later in the week. 